Now, if you are new with us, whether you are new on campus or you're new online, today we are in part three of a series called Messy. And in this series, what we're doing is we're exploring what God does when our lives get a little messy. So again, I've been asking this every week, anybody ever have a messy life before? Anybody? All right, number of hands. So when our lives get messy, often we think that God's disappointed, that God's frustrated with us, that God's going to pull away from us in those moments. Like he doesn't want to deal with our mess, but that's not what scripture teaches. Romans chapter five, verse eight says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So when we were at our worst, God was at his best. So when we made a mess of the world, God stepped into that mess to clean us up. And we looked at that last week in the Easter story. When we still make messes today, guess what God still does? He still steps into our mess, gets on his hands and knees to clean us up. That's the powerful truth that we're exploring in this series. And so Um, If you missed any of these messages, you can always go back and listen to them. We started two weeks ago. We've got several more weeks to go, but we're going to drill deeper into that powerful truth today. And we're going to start with another messy story from my life. So hopefully you're ready for this one. I have to apologize in advance um, because this one's kind of gross. All right. So I'm sorry in advance, but it does set up our message for today. So the story goes back about 23 years ago when my wife and I and our two oldest daughters, they were the only children we had at the time, we were living in Virginia. So my oldest daughter, Sydney, and then my second daughter's Maddie. So Sydney was about five, Maddie was about three. So somewhere in in that age range. And we had some friends up there that had a little girl that was about their age. And so we would take turns babysitting each other's kids so that we could have some date times and and, and have that alone adult time that that we all are are looking for. So uh, the night that I'm talking about, we were watching their daughter, and uh, they were out on a date. And this little girl they had was a a little stinker. (laughs) Anybody know any little stinker kids? All right, so um, this little girl was a little stinker, and we had quite a few stories that I could tell you from this little girl, uh, but I'm only going to tell you this one story. So our girls were back in their bedroom playing. Tammy and I were in the living room when my daughter, Sydney, came walking down the hallway uh, on the side of her foot. So she was walking like this. And I thought that she'd hurt her ankles. I'm like, Sydney, what's wrong? She said, I stepped in something. And I'm like, what did you step in? Like, you're back in your room playing. What did you step in? And she's like, I don't know. So we walk around the corner to find out what she stepped in, and then we found out what she stepped in. Um, This little girl took off all of her clothes, created a potty pile, put her clothes back on, began to play in the potty pile all over my girl's room. The carpet, on their toys, stuffed animals, on the walls. Like, we walked in and we were like, what happened in here? This is disgusting. So it took Tammy and I like hours to clean this up. They're like, we're throwing away toys. And my kids are like, you can't throw away Fluffy. Like, that's Fluffy. I love my stuffed animal Fluffy. I'm like, I'm sorry, babe, but like, Fluffy is going away. Fluffy can't come back. Like, Christmas is going to be great for you this year because right now is kind of a messy situation. 
So it took us a while to clean that up. And then um, anytime we had that little girl over, guess what? We had potty time about every 15 minutes. Like, guess what? It's potty time. No, it's not. I already did that. No, you probably didn't. Like, we're going again. So I'm sorry. Again, that's kind of gross and kind of messy. But I told you that to set up what we're going to talk about today. The reality is, for all of us, there are many times that we find ourselves cleaning up a mess we didn't create. Somebody else created that mess. We didn't create it, but we are left with doing our best to clean up this mess, again, that somebody else made. And maybe a few of you can identify with that. Like, like maybe right now, um, somebody is thinking about an ex-spouse who left you with some financial debt, like left you with a financial mess, and here you are like trying to clean that up. You didn't make the mess, but here you are trying to clean up the mess. Or maybe you have a wayward child who made some really poor choices. They're not answering for their choices right now, but you are. And you're left to, to deal with that messy situation that they left you in. Maybe you have a coworker that you were partnered up with on a project, and they did such a terrible job on their end of the project, but you got to clean it up because your name is attached to that project. And you got to kind of salvage your reputation. Maybe inflation has created a mess in your fixed income. Maybe the loss of a loved one has created a mess in your present day, and you're trying to figure out how to make it tomorrow and into the future. There's all kinds of situations that we find ourselves in that we didn't create. Somebody else created the mess. But we are left to clean that up. And I'm curious, as we begin, who here would say, you know what, that's me? Anybody in a mess currently that you didn't make, but you have to clean up? Anybody? All right, so a number of us are in those spots. So I hope that today's message is going to be an encouragement to you. So today's story that we're going to look at in scripture is found in Mark chapter 5. It's an extension of the story that we looked at two weeks ago when we watched Jesus take his disciples on a field trip. So they went across the Sea of Galilee, also known as Lake Tiberias. They went over to the land of darkness where those Gentiles lived. And Jesus stepped into a demon-possessed man's messy life, and he healed him in an instant. It was a powerful story. If you missed that, I encourage you to listen to that from our website. But we're going to pick up where Jesus comes back across the lake and watch some really amazing stories unfold. Now, uh, it's exciting for all of us today because today is BOGO Day. You know what it's like when you walk into a store and you know, buy one, get one? Like, anybody like buy one, get one? I love buy one, get one. I, that's, that's often the place that I drift to first. Um, but since you didn't um, like have to buy this Bible story today, it's kind of like go-go day. So this is get one, get one. So we've got two Bible stories wrapped into one that we're going to look at today. And these stories are intertwined with each other. And as we walk through these stories, what I encourage you to do is watch Jesus. Pay attention to how Jesus treats the main characters of these stories. There are some major comparisons for us to look at. There are some major contrasts between these characters. But just watch how Jesus steps into their mess that they didn't create and helps to clean us up. We're going to start in Mark chapter 5, verse 21. It says, Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake, where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Again, this is Jesus coming back from the other side of the Sea of Galilee, coming back to the Jewish side. Verse 22 says, Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. 
when he saw Jesus, he fell at his, his feet, pleading fervently with him, my little daughter is dying. He said, please come and lay your hands on her, heal her so that she can live. And Jesus went with him and all the people followed, crowding around him. Verse 25, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. So we're going to pause there for just a minute and then look at our two stories. So our first story, it, it starts off as our main story, is about Jairus. Jairus is a religious leader, and that title would have given him power, prestige, uh, possessions in, in his culture. So he would have been a somebody in his culture. But his life is a mess. So his daughter, his only child, is dying. And the access that he would have had would have been to all the latest doctors, all the latest medicine. And apparently none of that's worked. And apparently the, the doctors have said, we've reached the end, we've done all that we can do, and unless Jesus steps into this messy situation and heals her, like things aren't gonna go well for his daughter. Then our second story, which we're gonna start with first, is about this poor no-named woman in the crowd. This woman who has suffered for 12 years with this constant bleeding issue. She's gone from doctor to doctor trying to get help, and she's gotten no better. And I, I know that some of us can identify with her story, regardless of whether it's a health issue or whatever issue. Many of us have tried all kinds of things to, to deal with the situations that we're in, and nothing has helped. It's actually kind of gotten worse. So that's her spot. And just think about like, how she wakes up in the morning. She never wakes up having enough energy to face the challenges of the day. She probably never feels good. And we aren't sure what her financial status was before this situation happened in her life. But at this point, she's tried everything. She has spent all the money that she has, and she is broke. She has nothing left. Not only is she facing health and financial challenges, but she's also facing relational, cultural, and spiritual challenges. So her condition would give her the label unclean in her culture. And that was a big deal in the Jewish culture. So if you were unclean, that meant you had to separate yourself from the community. You couldn't go to church. You couldn't go to parties. If you had to walk around anybody who was not in your same condition, someone who was clean, you had to announce, and imagine this, you had to walk through the community and say, unclean, unclean, unclean. And everybody would say, stay away, stay away, stay away. So that was what her life was like. And we don't know if she was a mother or a wife, but imagine if she was. She could never hug her kids. She could never tuck them in bed at night. She could never scoop them up when they fall down and scrape their knee. She could never get a hug of encouragement from her husband after a long, discouraging day I mean, she, she really could have no physical contact with anyone. So we have a desperate woman who didn't create the situation that she's in. It just happened 12 years prior. Something just happened in her body, and her life had been changed because of that. Verse 27 says, she had heard about Jesus. 
And I find that interesting as you read through the story. Like she's tried everything, but then she hears about Jesus. And she thinks in verse 28, if I can just touch his robe, like then, then maybe I can be healed. If I can just touch him. And I think we all kind of get into those spots in life sometimes where we've tried everything. We've tried our self-help books. We've tried all the stuff that all of our friends could recommend and nothing has worked. We've tried maybe other religions. We've tried it all and nothing has helped. And we get to a spot where like maybe we're open to Jesus. Like maybe, like I didn't ever think that I'd be in a spot where I'd be trying Jesus. But maybe today a few people are in that spot. This woman was in that spot. And I want you to watch what Jesus does for her. In verse 29, it says, immediately after she touched Jesus' robe, the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she'd been healed of her terrible condition. And Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? Verse 31, his disciples said to him, Look at this crowd pressing around you, Jesus. Like, how can you ask who touched me? Jesus, everyone's touching you right now. Like, how can you ask that? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell on her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. So imagine that moment, if you can. I mean, everybody's pressing around Jesus, and, and he's on his way to, to see Jairus' daughter. And, and this woman kind of slips in the crowd, like tries to get her way up to Jesus, and then just touches the hem of his robe. She wants to disappear. Like, she shouldn't be there in that moment, but she was. She shouldn't have touched Jesus, but she did. And all she wanted to do was touch Jesus, hopefully get a healing, and then shrink back into the crowd. She didn't want to bring any attention to herself and what she had done, but Jesus wouldn't let that happen. She'd been caught. And she could be severely punished for her actions. Her unclean condition actually made it illegal for her to be there in that moment. And what was worse than that, she touched a religious leader, which could have gotten her potentially executed for those decisions. But here she is in this moment falling at Jesus' knees, at, at his feet, to her knees, in front of him, trembling in fear. The English Standard Version of the Bible translates verse 33 of Mark 5 this way. It says, but the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before Jesus and told him the whole truth. You know, I wonder what the whole truth was for her in that moment. I wonder if she started talking about all the years of her condition that she had dealt with. I wonder if she talked about all the years of people treating her so poorly, calling her unclean, stay away. I wonder if she talked about all the money she'd spent. I wonder if she said, Jesus, like I've spent it all. I am broke. I have nothing left. I wonder if she talked about all the doctors that she had seen, and the emotional roller coaster that she'd been on, seeing a new doctor, hoping like maybe this doctor could help me, and then having her emotions crash on the other side of that, going like, just yet again, I can't get the help that I need. I wonder if she talked about her kids, if she had kids. I wonder if she talked about 
her husband, if she had a husband. I wonder if she talked about frustration with God. I wonder if she talked about her faith. I wonder if she said, you know, Jesus, I got to a spot in my life where I thought everything would be better if my life was just over. Like, I just couldn't manage it anymore. Again, I wonder what the whole truth was for her in that situation. And then it's just amazing to watch Jesus. What's Jesus doing when she's talking? He's just standing there. He just created space. And remember, we have a bunch of people who are crowding around Jesus. And all of a sudden, this happens. And he turns around, and she falls to her knees. And we've got all these people listening. They're listening to every part of her story. And she's probably scared to death. Like, what's going to happen after I share this story? And yet Jesus just lets her vomit it all out. You know, sometimes it can be so healing to just pour out the whole truth about our messy lives, how we got into those situations, all that we've tried to do to clean up those situations, how we feel in the moment when, we're, when we recognize, you know what, I didn't make this mess. Somebody else made this mess. And here I am still trying to clean it up. There can be something so powerful about telling God, the whole truth. So I want to pull you into the story for just a second. So let's just imagine that you're there that day, and Jesus turns around because you're in a messy situation, and Jesus looks at you and says, what's the whole truth about your situation? What would you say? What would you say to Jesus? Would you tell him how you feel? Would you tell him you're pretty frustrated would you tell him that you've been irritated with him because he hasn't jumped in to respond sooner to your messy situation that you didn't create, and yet here you are trying to, to clean it up? So what's the whole truth about a messy situation that you might be in? So as I was preparing for this message, I was doing what I typically do, sitting in my office, working on my computer, and I'd gotten to this part of the story. And, uh, you know, it's just so fascinating to kind of dig through this. And so I'm digging through this and, you know, I, I stumble up across this whole truth concept. And I'm like, wow, I wonder what that meant. So I'm kind of exploring that together uh, uh, by myself and exploring it out loud. And then I felt like God tapped me on the shoulder while I was working. And he said, hey, Trent, what's the whole truth about your messy situation you're in? I said, wait a minute, like I'm busy right now. Like I'm, I'm working on a message. I'm trying to help people and my church family like talk to you about that stuff. And he said, yeah, but what's the whole truth for you? I said, yeah, I don't, I don't really want to talk about that right now. So he just waited. And I tried to continue to work, but I couldn't. I struggled. So I rolled away from my desk and I sat there and I started thinking about the whole truth and I started talking about the whole truth with him. I said, God, you know, here's the truth about this situation. I've been in this messy situation for several years. I didn't create it. Nobody created it. It just happened. And yet here I am struggling. Like there are moments, God, you want to know the, the honest whole truth from me is there are moments I'm angry. There are moments I'm just frustrated. I feel like I, I've, I've tried so hard to clean this up and nothing has worked. I also feel, God, that like all this stuff that I've tried and, and nothing has worked and I've gotten frustrated with you. I've gotten frustrated with you at times for not jumping in 
And dealing with this and solving this, you could have solved this thing several years ago and you hadn't. So I'm frustrated about that. I also told him I was sad about a few things. Sad about some things that I feel like I've lost and, and some others have lost in this process. And I was grieved over those things. As I continued, I had to admit also that I'm sad about my attitude. I had to tell him, I said, listen, God, like... I know there are moments that I've allowed you to refine me through this process so that I could become a little bit more like Jesus, but there are other moments that I've said, "Uh uh-uh, no more refinement. I'm done with that. I'm just angry. And I'm just gonna sit here and I'm gonna sulk for a while. So I just kinda told God the whole truth while I was working on this message for you and God tapped me on the shoulder and said, no, 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 this message is actually for you, Trent. So as I sat there telling God the whole truth, how I felt, what I thought, how I've responded poorly, I noticed something happening inside of me. I noticed that telling the whole truth was doing something. It was doing something inside of my heart. And you know, several weeks later, as I look back to when that conversation with God happened, this situation is still kind of going on, but it's not quite as messy today as it was, or maybe better said, I'm not quite as messy as I was several weeks ago. So again, I think there's something so powerful about telling God the whole truth. And I think the power of that is why Jesus wouldn't let this woman shrink back into the crowd. Like he knew there was going to be a deeper healing for her than just her physical healing. Like he wanted to touch some deeper parts of her that wouldn't just be touched with her physical healing alone. So imagine what this woman's life would be like after this moment, the healing that would happen for her. So she'd been sick for 12 years, suffering for 12 years. Imagine the reunion that she would have with her family after that. She could go home. She could get hugged again. She could be touched by someone who loved her. She could scoop her kids up if she had kids. She could fall into her husband's embrace if she had a husband. I mean, her whole world was different after that. And watch how Jesus interacts with her. So he says in verse 34, he says, daughter, called her daughter. I wonder when the last time she'd ever heard anybody use a term of endearment like that with her. She's used to people calling her unclean, stay away. And Jesus says, Daughter, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Yeah, you remember the 12 years of agony that you've been through? You know, all the money that you've paid, all the doctors that you've seen, and they've said, like, there's, there's either nothing more that we can do or give us more money and we'll try something else. Remember all that? Guess what? Your suffering is over. Her life was changed in an instant. She just stepped into her life and cleaned up that mess, cleaned her up emotionally, I think cleaned her up physically, and I just love watching how Jesus treats people. Now, we got to check in with Jairus. Remember him? He was the religious leader who got to Jesus first, and then this poor, probably homeless woman cut in front of him. And who does she think she is? She's a nobody and he's a somebody. That's what's so amazing about God. In God's kingdom, nobody's a nobody. 
everybody's a somebody. Everybody's somebody special. And I just love this, because Jesus basically said to Jairus, I know your daughter has a need. I'll get to her in a minute, but I have another daughter I have to deal with. I have another daughter that has a mess. She needs cleaned up. I'm going to help her. Like, I just love how Jesus elevates the value and status of people. And so for you, like, like maybe you've come in today or maybe you're watching online and you're just like, like I, don't, I feel like a nobody. I feel like God doesn't care about me. That's not true. To God, you are a somebody and you are somebody special. You are so special. Guess what? Jesus left the splendor of heaven to come to earth to die so that you could have eternal life, so that you would know how special you are. You are important. And you are special. I don't know if you've heard that lately. I don't know if anybody's told you anything like that. I don't know if anybody's used a term of endearment like that, like Jesus did with that woman. But you need to know that today. And I hope you'll walk out today holding your head a little bit higher if your head was hung a little bit low as you came in. Now, Mark 5, 35 gives us some bad news for Jairus. It says, while Jesus was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the the leader of the synagogue, and they told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. So imagine what he must have felt or must have been thinking in that moment. So if I was in his spot, I would be pretty frustrated. I mean, I'd be thinking, Jesus, why did you stop to help this woman? Like, why did you do this? Like, couldn't you tell my situation with my daughter was way more important than her situation? Like, you could have come back and healed her later. Why didn't you come with me immediately? Now it's too late. But with God, that's not a thing. There's never a too late moment for God. There's never a moment where something is too much of a mess that God can't step in and clean it up. So verse 36 says, but Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. And the crowd laughed at him, and he made them all leave. He took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl, who was 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around, and they were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what happened, and then he told them to give her something to eat. Now, does anybody think they obeyed Jesus in that moment when he said, hey, don't tell anybody what just happened? Like, do you think they, they obeyed him? No. I think they ran out of that room telling everybody what happened. And I, I don't think they just told her part of the story. I think they told the whole story. I think G, uh, Jairus found himself telling the whole truth. I think he went around telling everybody, like, you'll never believe what happened. Like, I ran to Jesus because everything we tried for my daughter didn't work. And I found him on the side of of the the Sea of of Galilee. He had come come back. He got out of the boat. And I ran to him. I begged him, please come to see my daughter and help heal her. And he started coming. Then this homeless woman interrupted and cut in front of me. And then Jesus turned around and spent some time with her. Man, that ticked me off. I was so frustrated. I was ready to pull his hair out. That irritated me. And then, like, he healed this woman. And then my daughter died. Like, my daughter died. My, Jesus, like, 
waited long enough to deal with this one woman and my daughter died. Like, I couldn't believe that. But then Jesus came and he said, don't worry, like, have faith. And he came to my house and he raised my daughter back to life again. I wonder what the whole truth was for Jairus. He didn't just tell one part of the story. He told the whole story. And I think he told the whole truth. Again, I think there's something powerful about telling the whole truth about these messy situations we're in. And I think that's how God begins the cleanup process in our lives. So let me ask you, what's the whole truth about your situation? What's the whole truth about your marriage? What's the whole truth about your finances? What's the whole truth about your attitude? What's the whole truth about your faith or your doubt or your job, your infertility, your past, how those people have treated you for the past several years? What's the whole truth about those things? Again, I think telling God the whole truth is a part of the cleanup process where God steps into our mess to begin cleaning us up. So as we close today, our worship team is going to sing a song called Closer. And as we sing this song, what I encourage you to do is start a conversation with God about the whole truth, about a situation that, that you might be in. Like begin that conversation. Tell God how you feel. Tell God what you're thinking. Like Just kind of vomit all that out. We're going to create space for you to do that. And if you're new to faith or exploring faith, and you might think, like, like, am I really allowed to, like, vomit my emotions out to God? Like, is he going to, you know, send a lightning bolt and strike me dead if I just tell him how I really feel? No, that won't happen. Um, we're actually going to have an opportunity for you to learn from King David this week. And I've put some of David's psalms. David wrote many of the psalms found in the Old Testament part of the Bible. I put that on our spiritual growth challenge, and I encourage you to take one with you before you leave today. And as you read throughout this week, you're going to watch King David, who had a powerful relationship with God. You're going to watch him pour out his heart before God, the good, the bad, and the ugly, all of it. He tells God the whole truth all the time. And in addition to that, he always reminds himself of the whole truth about God, how God feels about us what God does for us, how God steps into our messes to clean us up. And so I hope that you'll take that Bible reading plan with you this week and you'll continue the conversation that you're gonna start this morning and throughout the rest of this week, you'll just continue to talk to God about the whole truth in your situation. So if you're watching online, we've got a link in the comment section that'll take you to our spiritual growth challenge. And if you're on campus, as you leave today, before you walk out our exit door in the lobby, there's a tall table that's got the spiritual growth challenge on it. And I encourage you to grab that before you leave. Before you leave, remember this. God always steps into our mess to clean us up. Always. And a part of the cleanup process involves telling God the whole truth. So what's the whole truth in your situation? If you need a, a conversation with someone after today's message, I encourage you to stop by our care table before you leave. We've got some amazing people that will be out there. I'll be out there as well. I'd love to have a conversation with you about like, what that whole truth might be for you and how to take a next step in that cleanup process.
And if you're watching online and want to reach out to us, you can reach out to us through prayer at theepicchurch.com. Just email us, and we would love to engage that with you. So I'm going to ask all of us to bow our heads, and we're going to pray together. And then our worship team is going to create this space. This is just an opportunity for you to have a conversation with God. And I encourage you to kind of envision that homeless woman, that unclean woman on her knees before Jesus and him creating that space for her to just tell him the whole truth. So while we're singing today, begin that conversation with God about the whole truth of your life. So let's pray together. God, I'm so grateful for this story that Mark captured in Mark chapter five. Lord, these two stories, they are intertwined with each other. There's so many amazing comparisons and contrasts and Lord, we can all find ourselves in that story. Whether we're rich or we're poor, to you we're somebody. And we all find ourselves in messes that we didn't create. Somebody else created it. Something created it. And yet, Jesus, I love watching how you treat everybody in these stories. You just step into their mess and you begin the process of cleaning them up. And part of that process involves us telling you the whole truth about how we feel, about what we think, about what we've tried. And somehow in that, you work. So this morning, you create space for us. So I just pray for these folks that are here on campus. I pray for those watching online that they would just spend some time telling you the whole truth. And if this is just the beginning of the conversation, I pray that they would carry that conversation on throughout the week and just kind of pour it all out and listen to what you have to say in return. So Lord, we desire a closer relationship with you and telling the whole truth is part of how we can get that. So we pray all this in Jesus' powerful name, amen.